What is the biggest problem affecting your PDR business? What is the one thing holding you back from taking the next step? What do you need to change to get the business growth you want? All these questions have the same answer. It's your mindset. My name is Corey Kleinfeld, and this is the PDR Coach Podcast, where I coach you on mindset around yourself and your PDR business. Now let's get started. Welcome back to the PDR Coach Podcast. Today on the podcast, he needs no introduction, and we will learn more about him as the podcast goes, but welcome to the show, Jean. No last hey. name. Hey, <laughs> I can't even just, say Tanzi or Tani, so I'm just going to go Jean, and you can tell everybody your last name correctly for me. All right. So uh, my last name is Vidit. It's gonna. It's hard to pronounce it, <laughs> but uh, thanks for having me on, Corey. Yeah, thanks Happy for spending the time. Um, I appreciate it. Um, we've never really officially met. I mean, maybe we met quick handshake at an MTE or something, yeah, but never yeah. spent any time talking. So this will be our first conversation, um, which I've done several times on podcasts um, and they always turn out great. So thanks for spending the time. How I start every podcast, because I'm so curious and I've had a lot of people tell me that they like this question. Uh, how did you find this weird little niche of PDR? So yeah, that's an interesting story. So basically I started almost right uh, out of high school and uh, immediately because my mother was my mother is an accountant and she she was working as an accountant in a PDR company in my country. Ah. And and even before when I was in high school, I did some summer work for them, dropping headliners. And as soon as uh, I got out of high school, my mom said, hey, come here. They will employ you and you will learn because this is good, uh, good business to be in. Mm-hmm. And she knew that she knew the numbers. <laughs> Yeah, 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 of course, the accountants know the numbers. So she's like, yeah, you, you got to do this. And I'm like, okay, how much how much will they pay me, you know? And mm-hmm. she said, yeah, probably the starting is going to be the minimum salary because you need to learn first. Yeah. And I was like, dumb, you know? And I was like, nah, uh, I'm worth more than that. So I went doing other stuff at the start. So I didn't get directly into the first opportunity. So I jumped around from a few jobs like, I started as a used car salesman for a month and they kicked me out. <laughs> I went to, I went to, um, to a store like Aldi. It's mm-hmm. basically the same store. Just uh, yeah. It's called different here. It's called Hofer. So yeah. I was there for three months and they say, no, you're not good. Get out. <laughs> and then I went, I went to a warehouse to stock, uh, to fill the pallets when uh, stores order, you know, they get the orders and I was basically stocking pallets for them. And I was there a month and a half. And then this company, they called me to do for the weekend to do some R&I for them on the one project. And at that point, I started to thinking like seriously getting into into PDR. And when I was Mm. there uh, doing R&I, I was, I just looked at the PDR guys about how they work, not how they push dance exactly, but how their day, day, is, go, day is, you know, work day, how their work life is and work mm-hmm. day. And if I can be a part of that, if I can see myself in it. So That's awesome. after that weekend, that, after that weekend, I called my mom. I said, hey, uh, uh, do you think I can still get a job there? <laughs> she said, she, she called the boss and uh, I went to him 
to drink a beer with him. That was basically our uh, interview. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yeah, That's if right. you're as hardworking as your mother, yeah, you're mother many times. So I started there. That's awesome. Okay, a couple questions. So to, to define real quick, you're, hopefully I don't get this wrong. You're in Slovenia, right? Is, yes, is that the country? Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, awesome. Slovenia. Awesome. So what's, you said uh, they were going to pay you the minimum salary. What is that? Just out of curiosity. At that time, at that time, the minimum salary was, I think, 700 euros, which would be like $900 uh, per month. 900 bucks a month. What, what year yes. is this? This was in 2008. September 2008. of 2008. Okay. So not, not, and, uh, not, not too long ago, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then on top of that, but that is, that's what you get. It's no more taxes on this amount. Right, you know? right. That's yeah, how yeah. it works here. For and sure. on top of that, you get some gas money and food money. But that's yeah, probably yeah. about two, $300 more a month. Totally. So, the, you, so that's, it's interesting that you say, you know, your mom's like, hey, come work at this place. She does the account. She sees the numbers of what these techs make, how much the companies make. And she's like, John can do this for sure. Um, why, can you go back to 2008 and figure out? Cause we all, I mean, as men, as, as we, we all seem to have some sort of ego about us um, that we all yeah. have to learn to put into check over time. Why do you have any handle on why you thought you were worth more than the minimum wage and, and then, or the minimum salary. And then also, do you, do you know why you thought that? And then when you work those other jobs at the Aldi type store, were you getting paid more than that? Yeah, I was, I was getting paid a little bit more, not a lot, mm -hmm. but a um, couple bucks. Yeah. Like I, yeah. Yeah. But like I said, that was like a stupid decision because mm -hmm. if I, what I knew now, what I know now, I mean, is that at the start of your career, you mm -hmm. don't work for money. You work to learn. The hundred percent. So, yeah. So even, even if you're making zero, if you're learning a high paid skill or whatever, mm -hmm. some, something business minded that will help you in the business or whatever, it's worth it a lot. Yeah. So I think that's I really hard that for then. Yeah. I think it's really hard. Cause I had the same thought. I had the same thought. So my people, most people know my story, but I, I left working. I, my dad started a company in 91, 1991, worked for him for several years, left to go get a real job, <laughs> quote unquote, uh, not a blue collar job, which is like the, what we call it here in the U S where it's basically like working with your hands essentially. Yeah. But, yeah. So I left, it's probably the same thing over there. Um, and I ended up coming back, but I, same thing is in, in my mind, I had an ego about take like doing that as a, as a career. Um, and I had to learn the hard way too. And I think for you and I, it was a little easier. Mine was more like 2000, let's see i left in 2009 actually so about the same time but um man i feel like it was easier because social media wasn't a thing um to come back and have the perspective of just learning for learning's sake and not for money and i feel like yeah. newer guys starting out know know how much hail guys can make know how much a solid retail tech can make and that they charge a thousand bucks for dance ball, all this stuff. And they're starting out and it's really hard for them to put that time and effort in the beginning because they know how much money you can make any yeah. advice for them living in the world we live in now. Cause they know how much money they can potentially make, how they put I their head down and just get better. I think it's uh, just a mindset. I mean, you need to, 
convince yourself that the first two years you're going to be pushing for nothing. Just say it that, like, risk two years. I mean, of course you're going to make something. I don't, yeah. I don't mean work for free, but just if you put it in your head that, look, if I make 10 bucks, I make 10 bucks and just work as much as you can. Like, if there is a big tent, uh, take your time on it. Don't look at mm. it and say, oh, I should be making it in in uh for four hours because i've seen i've seen this other pay. person do it just in work this more time <laughs> you know yeah they all yeah, go yeah, through their yeah. head yeah 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 just just keep don't don't worry about how much time you spend and how much money you get i mean charge correctly of course mm. but but when you convert it per hour how much you get for the dent don't worry about that yeah um yeah, the per hour you need to stay away from. Yes. Try to get the same dollar rate. And if it takes yes, you yes. three days to fix it, yes. so be it. <laughs> yeah, 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 so yeah. yeah. I didn't try to say don't uh, undercharge. Just yeah. spend the time needed, even if it's three days, like you said. Yeah, so I've asked this to a few other people and I, I have a lot of newer texts that follow me and listen to my podcast and, and things like that. Um, what's your opinion on on doing retail repair for even though if you know you can't make it perfect obviously coming from from you who's who can obviously do amazing repairs you've won dent competitions and things like that it didn't always you weren't always like that when do you start doing retail and charging those prices even though you know you can't make it perfect you what's your opinion on that it's a tough one uh yeah i mean my opinion is that it all comes down to how you present it to the customer and if the mm-hmm. customer is happy at the end because at the end we are all in it to make money mm-hmm. and of course we like it we like the job we like to it's it's a good feeling when you fix a dent and the, the metal is flat again and everything but at the end you're working for money because you need to feed yourself and your family or, or whoever and uh, if you convey to the customer correctly beforehand if you say it's if even if it's a dent, like maybe you and me can fix, and mm-hmm. somebody doesn't know, he right. he know, he knows he can't fix it hundred percent. If he says if he's open in front and says, look, I can probably get it to eighty percent, maybe he gets it to 85, 90, The customer will be happy. He's happy. I think that's a fair fair transition. I totally agree with you. Yeah, I think a couple of things that I've said many many times is set the expectation. It, a, a legitimate. PDR business or any business really is setting the expectation of what the customer can receive and then um, fulfilling that expectation. That's a fair transaction. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of my customers now I charge really high prices and I tell them it's going to be perfect and that's what they expect. And that's what I deliver and we're good. But if you can't do that, tell them what they can expect, give them the price. Yes. And if everybody agrees, everybody's happy. So yeah. it's not about being perfect hundred percent of the time. And quite frankly, I don't even do all dance perfect all the time. There's plenty yeah. of times where I Me say neither. I can't, I can't do that. Um, but here's what I can do and here's what it would cost. And if we agree, then, then we're, we're happy. Yeah. Um, it's just, I think it's good when people hear it from more technic other people, because they, th- they always think like the other person always does perfect repairs for high dollar and always has, but they forget that, you know, and I never knew that you, I didn't even want to necessarily be in PDR. And now, you know, 10 years later, you're doing, you know, great work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't so think, t- I don't think there is like a, a person that does everything hundred percent. I mean, mm-hmm. in, in, in every, in every repair, I bet you can find a flaw if you go looking yeah. for it. 
Yeah, for sure. Unless unless they they really spend a crazy amount of time and it's basically not worth it at the end. Yeah. When you put it on the light and you know how to look, you're gonna find something. Yeah. So let's go back to the to the PDR journey. So um you did a couple other things because PDR was like eh. Finally came back to do it. Yep. Um, your mom convinced you. Uh, she got you a job. Um, how did so? How did it go from there? Did you start training? Did you did you go on hailstorms? So, what does that look like? So yeah, basically this company is mainly doing it was it's just doing hail, hail damage repairs, mm-hmm. and they hired me to start as a RNI guy, and uh, they say they will provide training in the off season that they will bring a PDR guy that will train us and everything. And we were about four guys employed at that time to do the same, to go the same way, basically. So I started doing uh, RNI for some Brazilian guys working on a storm here in Slovenia. And I was watching them fix it, uh, fix the dents. And every time they would have a hood for replace, I would basically borrow their tools and start pushing and start mm-hmm. training by myself, just using the the neon the the lights on the ceiling, you know. Yep, yep, yep. Just reflection of those lights because I didn't have any of my tools yet. Yep. <laughs> so, so that's how I started. Basically, I wanted to be ready as soon as I can, and basically that training that they uh, promised never came <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, i've heard that story before in the in the winter time in the off season they get they got us um tool they got us a set of tools old, old hood some hood stand and the old really old lights and uh they uh, here learn yourself <laughs> <laughs> oh man so how so many how many nights did you just did you spend late at night just there was no late at night okay. nights i think i think really good thing i mean the good, the good thing here was that i was being paid to train you know so that's how i was paid to come every day when there was no r and i work mm-hmm. i came every day i did my uh, nine to five job and i just trained in, in the time um and it took me i took me i think in in May 2010, it was the first car I fixed by myself. The first so couple, car. Couple, so a couple years. Yes. A yeah. year, a year and yeah, almost almost two years. Yeah. A little less. But I was doing RNI between and basically I was doing it by myself, learning by myself. There was no no one pointing me in the right direction or anything. I was just observing other people and copying <laughs> yeah that's what i did too i mean my dad I, I just soaked it up for my dad watched him hack some stuff up and then he'd fix it and then i would just over and over and over again until i just kind of figured out how to do it i'm still figuring out how to do it that's the funny thing yeah um are you still working for that company no 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 okay. it, uh in uh 2010 in the summer they they we had a meeting of all of the guys that we were training and the boss say hey we ran out of money you're all fired <laughs> oh what oh my god yeah yeah wow uh, okay so basically all of the other guys including were, your including your mom uh she went yeah she was she yeah. went away later like a few months after me wow or a year or a year i think because but they say like you all go, you're open your own company and you can be a subcontractor for us. Mm-hmm. And basically all of them were like scared. I was the only one. My first question was, 
Are you hey, gonna pay me? Also, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I was hoping to be on the good side because my mother yeah. was still there. So <laughs> yeah, true, true, true. <laughs> so uh, my first question was if we can also work for other uh, companies or, mm-hmm. or get our own deals as well. That was my first question. Uh, all the other guys with me there were uh, a bit afraid of go of losing a job. I was actually happy. But but with that being said, I was way youngest there. You know, I was had no family, you know, nothing. Yeah, no kids. Def- yeah. It, yes. Yeah. It's much, much I was in a much different position than they were. Yeah. So so you were excited um to go start your own business. So how did that how did that work out? Was it you can fix some de- at least you got trained enough so you can fix some stuff. That's yeah. Um, yeah. And plus I got I got them to provide me for work, you know. I, I I I knew that I will have some work, so yeah. I, it started like just a few few hail cars here and there because it was winter. It's coming to a winter, so we did few hail cars just to pay expenses and get and get some extra money. I was making actually more than I was on a salary, so it was good and yeah. working less. Yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> Make more work less. Not a bad yeah. deal. Yeah, yeah. Then uh, next year the season came because we mainly do hail hailstones here mm-hmm. and when the next season came in 2011 i worked uh, for that company the whole summer and uh, they owed me at the end of the summer they owed me um, i think it was 10,000 euros and they didn't pay so i had to go the legal way to get my money did it work uh, yeah it worked yeah. yeah it took it took two years i guess i think two or three years it took a long time but from from that point on I was basically out on my own to find my own work and everything. Yeah, for sure. So you, you basically trained yourself essentially and a little bit of help probably for some guys standing nearby. If you were to do it today, knowing what we know now with a bunch of trainers and stuff, would you, would you recommend someone just absorb it themselves over to your period? Or would they, would you say go find a trainer or a combo? I guess it has to be a combo, but. Well, yeah, I would say depends on what they want because <laughs> if and, and what they can afford. I mean, not any, everybody can afford the training. Yeah, of course. The, the, the best training for me personally, I think it's go for, I don't know, three, four weeks of training, then do it by yourself and just practice, practice and go again to that same trainer mm-hmm. to to finish uh, what you started. Basically, then yeah. the, the learning starts like, you know. But, yeah, for sure. But because uh, not everybody can afford, you know. So I mean, yeah, it's five thousand to is... twenty thousand dollars. It's a it's a lot for yeah, sure. Yeah. So if you can't maybe start start by yourself, I mean, yeah, I think yeah, I mean, but, but the entry if you want to start by yourself is so much higher. So I mean, it's so much difficult to to enter by yourself. Yeah, I, I will say basically, you, you don't know what you're doing, and <laughs> right. A hundred percent. You're yeah. either going to spend time or money learning. So you, if you spend money, it should reduce that time down from a two year period. Cause someone's going to show you, um, if you don't have money, then you, you got to spend time, which is, you know, yeah. if you're older in late twenties, early thirties or mid thirties or whatever, and you have a family and kids, then you work your day job and you fix three hours of dance at night. Every people have yeah. done that. That's how people start other businesses. Like, you do that for six, eight months um, until you feel comfortable enough or a year. 
Um, but that may be the way to do it. So either spend money or spend the time. <laughs> Those are the two choices. Yeah. yeah I, I, I mean, this, like imagine if you go from, uh, from Chicago to New York, let's say, mm-hmm. and if you're going to learn by yourself, it's equal if you would walk the road, if you do some kind of online training uh, with, with YouTube or with uh, uh, real world PDR, uh and or then trainer it's going to be like driving with a car if you go in person training it's going to be like flying there dude that's a great analogy i love that that's true it is i like it (laughs) that's awesome it's also cost and time included (laughs) 100 i totally agree with that that's awesome so at this point now are you still mostly doing hail or are you are you doing retail okay you do retail stuff too we have also retail hail and uh, we do retail dance, but it's not uh, not a lot. I, mainly, I would say I do ninety five percent of the hail. Also, big smashes here. It's they don't get paid a lot. You know, I yeah, can't that, charge as much as you can in the states. That's just a different from where you live or Europe, Europe in general, or what do you, what do you Slovenia, think? Slovenia, Slovenia specifically. Yeah. 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 Like if you go to Germany, the prices, because it all, everybody here, the mentality is still comparing to painting, you know, and mm-hmm. I can get a, a panel painted for 150 euros. Wow. Yeah, so you're trying to convince someone to fix his smash door for 300. It's mm. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a few people that value their paint, value yeah. factory paint, but not not a ton. So most of the stuff that you're doing is is under an insur an insurance type of hail situation. Yeah, yeah. Is that the biggest difference you think between? where you are in the U S or some parts of Europe, Europe over the U S I think, mo- I think most parts of the U S you can do a lot of high dollar retail. Um, I know there are a lot of like some spots where there's, well, in every city, there's always going to be someone that can paint a, paint a panel for, for cheap, you know, for $250 yeah. US dollars. Um, but a, like a real body shop that's going to do a high quality repair is not ever that cheap. And I guess mm-hmm. that's a question. Is that the, the is that like a high end body shop there that's going to do an amazing work for 150 bucks in Slovenia? No, or? no, but it's not yeah. going to be a much bigger difference. I mean, even if you if you increase a hundred percent from 150, you're still at mm. 300. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not. It's not. And it's uh, still difficult. Huge. Yeah. That's fascinating. So. Um, Man, that's interesting. So what other differences do you, do you know of between like big differences between European and US? Be- because that's interesting to me that there's probably a big part of the world that's like that. That's not yeah. like US, US dent repair, where there's just really inexpensive painting labor. Yeah. And I still think that the US is the best for, for PDR, the best market probably because also look in europe yeah it's good it's good germany france austria all Mm -hmm. those have high higher prices but here is the catch i drive i can i drive like hour and a half and i'm across the border in austria and i can get higher prices but everybody there speaks german i can't speak german 
And then everybody, there's different insurances, there are different procedures, the whole different system. So this is the, the big barrier. You can go chase for another company there. That's not a problem because they will organize everything. But if you, you want to go there by yourself, it's a language barrier because Europe is, I don't know how many yeah. different languages, you know? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> yeah. You, all the big markets, their own language. And now, yeah. now it's easier. Now it's also, but this is, this was, it's not a big factor. It's just a difference. Before you go to a different country, you need to, you, you, your phone is going to be super expensive now because you're roaming, you know, and everything is, <laughs> everything is going to be super expensive. Diff- but yeah, now, it's a different now, country, yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, now this is, this European Union has uh, all the phones now. Basically, if you're staying in the European Union, it's basically the same as you're in home. But, that was also a difference before. Interesting. Yeah, but Damn, my, main, main, main difference is just the language barrier and the whole different system. You know, I, I can't go just, let's say, now I go, I want to chase hail directly for me and just go to Austria and maybe I would get a deal, but it's much, much easier to just go work for a, another company that does PDR and the big company that you can trust, just work for them. And, and like a, like, like a cultural difference too. Right. I mean, it's not even just yeah. the language too. It's like, and we, we see, there's a little bit of that in the U S you know, with like the South versus like the Northeast, like there's a, there's a little bit of a cultural difference there. Um, but I, I, I imagine it's significantly different from Austria, Austria to Slovenia, yeah. just a whole different, yeah. just whole different culture. So you even if you spoke a language, it doesn't necessarily mean that you would, fit in and get the deal compared to the other dude that yeah, taking care yeah. of their own type of thing. <laughs> and I'm still a, a different nationality when I get there, you know? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You drive 20 hours if you chase in the States and Hey, I'm American. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Totally. I, I drive somewhere like who, who's this fucking Slovenian. <laughs> yeah. Really? Is that, is that you feel like nah, that a little bit? No, nah, okay. it's not like that. I'm just kidding. But, yeah, you but know, you, you feel like that going some, into look, they're like out of place a little bit, right? Yeah, I yeah. mean, I, I'm not like that, but but some people are nationalists yeah. and they don't yeah. like other nationalities. For sure. Then some people are going to say like, oh, look at them coming, stealing our work and stuff like this, you know? Totally. I'm not totally. like that. Personally, I'm not like that, but um, it happens. But there's a lot of people that are. <laughs> there's a lot of people yeah. that are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, man, that's crazy. Um, have you been to the, to the States to fix dents? Yeah, I've been once or twice. Once or twice, yeah. Is it yeah, long time what, ago? Though. Is it is it better money? Is it how does it differ? Yeah, it's better money, and the main thing is uh, your health season starts usually in March, April, while ours starts in June or yeah. July, depends. So yeah, if I can, I would try to catch those two months, month and a half. That's pretty cool. Um, so how did you, so you, I've, I feel like if people know you, it's probably from dent competitions. Is that fair to yeah. say? Yeah. Or, or YouTube. Or YouTube. Mainly, yeah, from, mainly yeah. from dent competitions, probably. Yeah. yeah. Your YouTube videos are great, by the way. They're funny. Thanks. Thanks. I yeah. appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot, I don't do a lot of YouTube because of the amount of work it takes. Um, and yeah, so I have mad respect for people who put out a four minute YouTube video. Cause I look at it like this took fucking five hours to, to shoot, edit all that stuff. So, um, 
I enjoy them when I see them. Um, when did you start wanting to compete in these dent competitions and why? So first was uh, in Germany. I think it was like probably like five, six years ago. And I saw that uh, competition. It was the first one I saw actually in Germany. It was the first expo I've been to. And I was thinking, hey, next year, maybe I can go. And then next year I thought, oh, yeah, I'm the shit. I own this. <laughs> and I came there. And of course, you know what happened. I didn't even place. <laughs> Dude, that's good to hear, though, I feel like for people. Because, you know, you've I think you've won a multiple now. I don't know how many, but a several, maybe a couple in a row. I think you did that one with Bryce Kelly and won that tag team and stuff. And so j- the first one that you did, no one knew who you were. You didn't place. No, no. It wasn't no. even maybe wasn't even close. That's good for yeah. people to know. So then, but you, did, uh, but you kept doing uh, it. Yeah, yeah. That, actually, I stopped. I stopped. I say, oh, screw this. You got that that <laughs> ego. Like, that ego came back again, right? Like yeah, you got punched, yeah. You got punched. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, ah, oh, no, screw this. Uh, so I stopped for I think a year or two years. Then, then I went back to Germany, and I think I got. I, I got because Germany competition goes on for two days and it's first day you do a qualifying round and the top six qualify. And then on the second day, the top six yeah. all start and uh, at the same time. Yeah. So I did, uh, I did that one. The second time I did it, I actually went to the finals. I qualified to the final round. And of course, when I did the final round and at the present, like when they are announcing that, top six i was telling them, please don't let it be six please don't let it be six and they're like number six John. I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah because because in my head I, i'm less you know yeah 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 even though you beat all the other even, guys yes yes yeah. no, I, I was like yeah. no i'm less no just not the last please not the last place and they're like six from slovenia i'm like oh no <laughs> that's me damn it <laughs> Um, are you, did you compete in anything as, as a younger, like high school, college, did you play sports or anything? Are you competitive Yeah, yeah basketball. Yeah, basketball. Yeah. And I'm very competitive because of yeah. that probably. Yeah. Yeah. Too for much, sure. too competitive. Yeah. There's a I good hate, balance. I hate myself for, for this sometimes. For being too competitive? Yes. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a, there's a, there's a, uh, pros and upside cons. and a downside. Yeah. Pros and cons because, um, yeah. Be, because you're competitive you went the first time failed took a shot took a couple of years off right it hurt and then you went back got a little better but kind of failed in your eyes because the last of the first the last of the of the second round of people um but the competition and that's why ego is is a good thing too because you we need ego but you need the humility as well and so yeah. you have to have a little bit of an ego to you know compete in something like that, or even to start a podcast or to like, in my case, coach people and tell like, Hey, I, you know, learn from my experience. Here's what I can offer you. But then the humility side is like, you can always be learning and always be getting better too. So it's a combination of those two. But, um, so second try you went from wherever you were before to sixth place, which is still pretty good. Um, and you kept going obviously. (laughs) Yeah, I think after that I went to the PDR World Cup. Yeah. Or was yeah, yeah, it was PDR World Cup after that. That's the the first time I won a competition. Mm-hmm. 
How was that? Then uh, amazing. <laughs> yeah. Of you're like, not six. Don't say six. Don't say six. Yeah, and then yeah. you're like, no. The show was a smaller show, smaller competition because it was the first year as well. Mm-hmm. But um, it was good. But, but, the, was, but there were really still, still killer techs, though, competing. Smaller show, yes. but the guys competing were yeah. still amazing technicians. Yeah. So that's awesome. How did that, how did, um, what year was that? Do you know when you won the World Cup for the first time? I think the first one was 18. 18. Yeah. I was going to say, I was going to say yeah, 17 then, or 18. And then the second one was 19. Um, were you doing YouTube videos before that? No. Okay. No, I, I started so, after. So winning the first World Cup in 18 um, put you on the map, I guess, is an expression, right? Yeah. Um, how did that change? How did that change the way you saw yourself in PDR, the way other people saw you, the opportunities it created for you to maybe partner with some other people in the industry and do things? Um anything what what did that how did that i think i think that the the that competition and other things as well got me an opportunity to be a speaker at the um, at the advanced skill seminar Mm -hmm. in 2019 Uh, so that that was also a big honor for me Mm. Um, and i also was able to compete there at the, the, the advanced skill seminar, they had the tournament of champions. And because I won that one, I was able to compete at that one as well. Nice. Uh, so that's awesome. That was also fun. I was not supposed to be there. There was supposed to be four MPE winners. And I didn't want MPE before. So, uh, but one guy didn't show up. So they <laughs> last uh, 10 minutes before Keith came to me and was like, hey, are you ready? I'm like, ready for what? <laughs> They're like, yeah, you're competing. <laughs> the Dan Olympics? No, the 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 tournament Trump of champions, champions. Yeah, yeah. is they gotcha. called it at the advanced skills seminars. Gotcha. Um, and you, so someone didn't show up and you got their spot. Yeah, yeah. That was that was basically four spots. That's funny. I yeah. I, I I competed in uh, the Dent trials in Las Vegas, and I think you were signed up, but then didn't come for obvious yeah. reasons. Um, I, so I may have gotten, come. I may I have gotten enter. your spot <laughs> yeah <laughs> or so or one of us did um but yeah that was a bummer just because you couldn't fly and go home it would have been quarantines and all these things probably no not not that but the usa was not allowing anyone to yeah, enter. Gotcha. you couldn't even come at that time. no i couldn't even and come. that was only I like mean, a, I w- two months ago was it really re- yeah. they just said no wow yeah yeah that's that's crazy um so yeah s- so anyways, I think um, getting asked to go, getting asked to uh, speak at the advanced skills, um, that's the, th- I, that's the, that's where ego, this is where like pushing forward and being competitive in ego ma- makes a difference because probably, I know there's other things that you did, but had you not done those other things and competed many, many times over a span of five years in dance competitions, Keith and Shane may not have known of you to be able to invite you. Right. Yeah. And there, there are so many good technicians, businessmen, people with ideas, all that stuff out there that 
don't want to say anything. They don't want to make YouTube videos. They don't want to start a podcast. They don't want to come on a pod. They don't want to do any of that stuff because they feel like it's too egotistical because they look at other people and be like, why are, why are they doing that? That's like, what do, what do they know? I know more than that. And that's awesome. But you got to tell people that you got to show people that in order for those opportunities to open up for you. Do you understand what I'm saying? uh, Yeah. Yeah. But it's also how you perceive things. Maybe we, Mm -hmm. like you're doing a podcast, I'm doing YouTube. Maybe Mm -hmm. we can say that we, maybe we find a better person and, and they are not doing it. And maybe we can say that they're, they have big ego because uh, they, they're not wanting to share their knowledge, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. That's so, true. I mean, it goes both Interesting. ways. It goes both You're right. Ways. I, I don't think I've thought about it that way, but, but for me, I, 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 yeah, I want them to like share and contribute to the industry and, and, and show us new things and all, and all that type of stuff, because you never know how that affects it. Like if you, if you, these little decisions in life make a big difference. If you decided on your first competition that you lost and you took two years off, Right. Cause you, cause you were like, why should I do this again? I don't want to lose. I hate that feeling. I'm very competitive. And you never did it again. We wouldn't know who you are potentially. Yeah. And yeah. we, we yeah. wouldn't get the value that you bring to the industry. And um, that makes me, I guess, sad or sad or upset or something that there's so many guys out there that have stuff to offer to the industry, but they're not, you know? Yeah. And so par- partially because either one, it's a conscious decision not to, or the more likely one is that they're too scared to put themselves out there. Yeah. That's I mean, more that's, likely. we are all different people, yeah. you know, different mm. mentality, different personality. So that's what makes us wonderful. Right. <laughs> for sure. For sure. So how do you, and, uh, how do you decide to put yourself out there again and again, whether when you lost and then recompeted and then got sixth and then recompeted, what, what goes through your mind on like, continuing to do that do you have any advice for people who are too scared to compete in the olympics or to do anything else uh well it's it's not about well i i wanted to i wanted to achieve my goal you know i set Mm -hmm. the goal and i wanted to achieve it and uh when you achieve that goal put put, give give yourself a higher goal Mm -hmm. maybe you don't you're if you if you want to compete and you never did and you're afraid Maybe your first goal can be, hey, I need to compete. That that can be a first goal. Even if you're last, you you mm-hmm. did you reach your first goal. Your first goal doesn't have to be I I, I want to win. You know, mm-hmm. just give it yourself. Shouldn't, a goal. It shouldn't I, be I'll, probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so just give yourself a goal. Like, look, I just want to get out there and push that dent out. And the next year, you can do it better. I'm sure. I'm mm-hmm. sure you can do it better next year. The more time you go, the better you'll be. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. And I, and I totally agree with that. I think there's a, there's a lot of people cause I, I competed in the dent trials for the first time because I did the same thing that a lot of other people did like, Oh, I should do that. And then I'm like, it, it comes around. I'm like, I don't want to spend a hundred bucks or 150 bucks. and like find all these reasons to talk myself out of it or whatever. Um, I finally competed. And when I'm there, other people are like, Oh, I can never do that. I can never do that. I'm like, you absolutely can. You, you may not place because you're not, maybe you don't feel like you're good enough or whatever, but you, you never know. Like you got to put yourself in those situations and see what happens. And if you get dead last place, um, it's a, it's a, it's a learning experience. Um, yeah. it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt the ego a little bit, especially if you're a competitive person, but the amount that you learn 
in those high pressure situations is tenfold than, than fixing a dent in a door on a, on a, on a dealership lot. Yeah. It, it just is, yeah. you know? Um, and so I, I would, I would encourage people to put themselves in those uncomfortable situations. I have not been that nervous fixing a dent. <laughs> I've not been that nervous fixing a dent in many, many years than I was at the dent trials. Cause like yeah, all the people standing around, like, I remember the first time I fixed a retail dent at someone's house, um, black Mercedes kind of tough dent in a door. This was like in 2007 before I quit and came back. Uh, so nervous dude was standing there like this arms folded, just watching, you know? Um, and, uh, you know how that is, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Of but, course. but, uh, I haven't been that nervous since then. And I'm like going up the fix, fix a dent in front of a bunch of other dent guys, man, you learn a lot though. Like all your senses yeah. are heightened and you're like focused more than you ever focused on a dent before in your life. It's pretty fun. Yeah. Pretty funny. Yeah. You feel I the mean, same I way? Mean, I, yeah. I, everybody is, is nervous probably, you know, and yeah. not comfortable under pressure, but more times you do it, the better you get at it and you improve yourself. I mean, as a person, even if not as a dent guy, as a person also, like, like you said, with your uh, speaking, you did your also speaking in Vegas, right? Mm -hmm. And you yeah. didn't want to, you didn't want to speak for a while, right? Mm -hmm. But you did it once. Now you, you grew as a person. Yes, I did. Yeah. And, and, and the next time it's going to be easier to speak for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, dude, that's, that's very true though. And that, that the, the same goes for the competing. <laughs> You're hundred percent right. Like even if you don't win the competition or fix the best end of your life or, or, or whatever, you'll grow as a person. And that's really what we're all here to try to do is grow yeah. ourselves and hopefully get better at dents, hopefully make more money, maybe be a better husband or a better father or whatever, but all that requires growth and trying new things and putting yourself in difficult situations over and over. Yep. <sighs> that's awesome. Um, yeah, I'm glad we, I'm glad we agree on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I meant to ask this question earlier, just cause I'm curious when I was talking about differences between, um, I'm going to like go like flip back and forth, go. but, um, uh, is there a lot of wholesale like dealership work that happens in Slovenia or European countries or, or what's your take on that? Uh, you said retail, not so much. Yeah. I mean, there is the, the majority is hail jobs hail yeah. jobs is the majority and we do we do also hail jobs at the body shops and dealerships gotcha that's the majority of our business Interesting. okay we do have one bigger retail uh, wholesale client but we we don't have huge dealers like you have in the states you know yeah. that has a thousand car inventory you know mm -hmm. here's no one no one has a thousand cars anymore no yeah right now no but <laughs> you know what i mean though yeah i do i do i understand um Here, so do you... like three three hundred is the most probably interesting how big is your like if you drove like 30 30 let's say let's say an hour a lot of dank guys will drive an hour around where you live how many people live there like what's the population Ooh. That's any, a good question. I, is it like no, fifty thousand or like I, a million? I don't know. No, I, I don't know. I don't know honestly. But let's say we have a shop in the capital, which is in the center of uh, Slovenia, basically almost in the middle. And uh, if you drive maximum two hours any direction, 
you are out of the country because we are a small country. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> and uh, and we have a population of two million people, the whole country. Gotcha. Okay. So if you wow. drive north, if you drive north one hour, you're in Austria. If you drive south in one hour, you're in Croatia. Then if you drive to the east, to the furthest east you can go, it's two hours. You hit Hungary. And if you drive to the west one yeah, hour and you I'm are the seaside. <laughs> I'm looking now. Yeah. So that's a large, that's a, yeah, that's a large area. Is it, is it Logitech? Is that where you? Yes. That's my hometown. Yeah. Okay. I mean, home, yeah. Yeah. My hometown. Gotcha. Where I live. So it's about so, 30 minutes from the shop in Ljubljana. We have a shop in Ljubljana. Oh, okay. Yeah. I see it right in the center, right in the center, basically of Slovenia, essentially right in the center. Yeah. And the entire country is 2 million people. Yeah, so I I would like I think just the city of Sacramento is over two million people, <laughs> so significant. I mean, these are the type of things though when you when you listen to a podcast or or a business book or something where you're trying to learn how to how to establish a business or how to run a business or ideas, you have to take that information and make it work for your area because where I live or even someone in the states completely different than yeah. where you live. Um, and so talking about wholesale or wholesale pricing or high dollar um, dent, uh, retail dent repair pretty much doesn't apply to you for the most part, a little bit, but yeah. not a lot. Yeah, it, it does a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it does. That's fascinating. Um, well, that's interesting. Okay, so I, I gotta, I'm gonna go deeper. What the, the, the dealership that has 300 cars, is someone there fixing the cars for for x dollar per car or just they just they don't fix them uh we have we have i mean there are probably a few dealers with 300 cars probably uh we are at one of them then we are fixing that cars you do every okay so there is there but but this is this is an exception at the moment maybe in a few years time it will change but this is one of the dealers that they because here we import a lot of cars in slovenia Mm -hmm. Yeah, because they're cheaper to buy in Germany or, or France or someplace, import them, and they're selling used cars like that. So this dealer, every car that imports gets it completely perfect. They want all the dents fixed, even all the plastic interior, everything they change. If it's a scratch, they will change it. And they're setting a high standard for themselves. And they mm-hmm. want all the dents fixed. And but they're the exception at the moment. Of right. course, other dealers want some dents fixed, but you get some that say, Oh, just get me the bigger dents out. Uh, yeah, don't yeah, touch yeah. that. But but that those are everywhere. I mean, even yeah. in the States, I bet you For have sure. those dealers. For sure. So hundred yeah, percent. The the biggest, the biggest, I think the biggest obstacle for everyone, not just in Slovenia, also everywhere is to find uh, dealers that want to take the care of their cars they're selling and they want high mm. high uh, quality for themselves and that you provide you can provide them with that yeah and i i feel like that starts with the customers wanting that though do you yes. agree i feel like in america cars are very special even in, especially yeah. like in especially in, in some states like Southern states and even California, um, man, cars mean a lot to people like a lot. 
uh, is, is, do you find that this, is there a number of people in Sylvania that like cars really matter to them? Like the image yeah. of the vehicle? Is yes. that the same? Yes. Yes. The mentality here is like that. Like people want their cars nice mm-hmm. and they want them to be, uh, from Germany most of the time. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, I can see all these BMWs, Mercedes. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> but, no, uh, but here's the thing, like, they still perceive um, a new paint, a, a better repair, you know? Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah, so it all starts with the customer. Like the, if every customer, which is, this will never happen, but we can live in a fantasy world. If the customers went to the dealerships and said like, why isn't this car perfect? I don't want to buy it. The, the yeah. dealership would fix the cars, right? Of course. And, if, and, if, and if the customer said like, oh, I don't really want it to get it repainted because I'd rather have it not repainted then more people would get PDR done. Um, so it really starts with the customers. And that's, I mean, that's always been our biggest problem in the industry in the United States that most people don't even know that this is an option. I feel like yeah. if you could sit down and talk to every person and say, Hey, here's what a repaint is. Here's what it does. The, you know, Bondo on the vehicle or filler or whatever. Here's what we do. Everybody would pick paintless net repair. Um, but how do you, how do you, how do you educate the, how do you educate the population? It's, a, I don't even know. It's a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you that or time. I don't know, but that's the fascinating thing about PDR is that it's so much better. Um, but so unknown, I guess. Yeah. But you also have some other factors like stone chips on the hood. And then people will say, oh, I want to paint it, you know, mm-hmm. and then you're out. <laughs> yep. That's true. That's on true. that repair just because yeah. they have some chips oh that you, you can do a touch-up but yeah it's it all depends on the customer like you said yeah 100 um okay so yeah you started with the hail company went through there you got your own business now doing majority hail a little bit of other stuff um competing in dent competitions when you're allowed to travel <laughs> um <clears throat> what else are you doing i feel like i've seen your name come around in some other business. I think, um, you've, uh, you had some educational stuff before MTEs before, right? Like with yeah, Dave that, that was, or, or something. Yeah, that was, yeah. Dave Strain organized the, uh, yeah. PDR competition training that we did. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, but now after new year, I'm planning to, uh, open also a PDR training center here in Slovenia for the European oh, really? market. Yeah. breaking news wow yes <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome i think you're yeah. very well set up for that yeah yeah because we have our own shop we have everything we need and probably gonna even offer tools with that as well mm-hmm. that's that's really cool and there's i i did a i did a, a podcast series that i haven't released yet <clears throat> that's coming <laughs> but it's all okay. recorded and but it's a, basically all the trainers in the u.s um, not all of the trainers because everybody's a trainer kind of, but the training schools or training academies, the ones that train people every single week for the most part, and there was 11 of them, um, mm-hmm. in the U in the whole U S. Um, I don't know how many there are in Europe. I never went down that road, but are, are there a lot of options or are there very few? Cause I see people asking in some Facebook forums. Yeah. I mean, um, there, there are a few good options in the UK. Mm-hmm. And I saw, UK, and I yeah. saw, yeah, in the UK, and I mm-hmm. saw a few options in uh, Europe as well. But those are cheaper options, and I don't know how they are. 
mm-hmm. can't say, don't know. So, yeah. yeah. Do, how do you think <clears throat> Bryce Kelly started training recently? Um, yes. After, after, let's say, making a name for himself. <laughs> Fair to say, Bryce Kelly is very much using the example of what PDR is capable of doing. Right. Yep. Um, yep. And you know, Bryce, you've competed with him. I'm sure you know him to, so I don't know if you've talked to him about training or whatever, but um, yeah, we talked about. Yeah. So again, unknown to you, you started competing in dent competitions and won a few failed then won a few of them. And now this has potentially led you to being able to open up a training facility and if you put your name on that training facility, the likelihood that it that it is successful is is a lot higher than if no one knew who you were. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, exactly. who doesn't want to learn how to fix dents from the however many time five time dent competition winner? Yeah. It's five five or four or something, right? A few of them. Well, uh, I did I won two PDR World Cups, one MTE plus MTE tag team. That's yeah. four. Okay. And uh, the the um, the, that's basically unofficial one the tournament yeah, of champions, yeah, champions at the yeah. advanced seminar <clears throat> that's five then a bunch of a few few second places as well right yeah so i mean that, that's the thing like that's why we push ourselves that's why we get ourselves in uncomfortable situations because you don't you didn't know that when you started competing in these that it would lead you to opening a training facility exactly, right? exactly. but but these steps change you as a person they help you grow they help you see yourself and your place in the industry from a different, different perspective. And then you start looking like, okay, how can I help? How can I help other people? And it, and it leads to this. So I'm, I'm excited for that. I think that's awesome that you're doing that. And it sounds like a good compliment to, you know, having the shop and the hail storms and, and all that stuff in between. So that's cool, man. Yeah. Thank you for you. Appreciate it. Um, I appreciate it. Thanks, man. Yeah. yeah like, when, like you said, uh, one thing leads to another, you know, mm-hmm. just, you, you don't know where you end up, but, as long as your your head is in the mentality of improving, you're gonna end up in a good spot. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, just always always improving. Um, you got any any other things uh, planned coming out? Any stuff you're doing before MTEs? If you're able to do that, are you gonna keep competing in the in the competitions? What's your plans? I, I think uh, I, I want to keep competing. Of course. Yeah. I just got started, basically. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You did. You really did. I mean, are you gonna be in Florida? Uh, I sincerely hope so. Every plan, yeah. I have a plan to, to get there. Uh, we will see now if, you, if there, there is uh, news going on that the US will open borders at the start of this next month. So if US I opens heard. borders, I'm there. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm excited. My plan I'm gonna is compete to be too. in Vegas. Nice. I know. I saw your name on the list. <laughs> <laughs> I, but but the thing I want to go back to the thing you say that there are some guys out there that are better than we they're probably better at some stuff and yeah. I'm sure there is someone out there that can can kick our asses in in yeah. every competition or anything you know but but maybe it's just not in their nature to come and compete mm-hmm. you know that's true but I, but I believe that. that I believe that there's a bunch of great techs that we have never even heard of. Yeah. Around. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Yeah, around the world, um, the yes. US, w- w- in Europe, w- wherever. And uh, man, I have a hard t- I m- maybe it's unfair of me to think this way, but I have a hard time 
Um, I have a hard time thinking that I know there's amazing techs out there and it's like not quote unquote, not in their nature to compete and to put themselves out there and show that. But I think, I don't think it's in anyone's, it's very few people's nature to put themselves in situations where the likelihood of them failing is very high. Right. Yeah. Because, because nobody wants to be uncomfortable. That's uh, right. the main human, human nature. I mean, we all want exactly. to be comfortable. Yeah, that and we is... don't want to move out of the comfort zone. Yes, but and so but I you think you stay the same when you are in the comfort zone. Yeah, I don't. When I don't you're think out it's... of the comfort. Sorry, <laughs> go no, ahead. No, no, no. I totally, I totally agree with you. But to go back to what you said, I don't think it's in my human nature to compete in a dent Olympics or to uh, put myself out there and host a podcast or to put myself out there and speak in front of a group of my peers who quite frankly, it matters what they think about me, whether I admit that or not, it just does. <laughs> if you're, if you, yeah. if you, if you don't agree with that, you're lying to yourself that you don't care what other, how other people perceive you, but I don't think it is, it's our human nature to do that. And so no, no. if you are listening to the podcast and there's hundreds of you that do that, I don't know who you are. Um, I would challenge you to say, if you're using the excuse that it's not in your human nature to go compete at one of these Den Olympics, I would try it and go see if you can beat John. I'm going to try. I might fail, but I'm going to try. <laughs> I got second place in, in, in Vegas. Cause you weren't there. I might've got third. So I got to go. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's, but, but my, yeah, yeah. that's my challenge. I, I, don't, I don't think it's uh, probably like you said, I agree hundred percent that it's, it's also not in our human nature to, to go out of the comfort zone, but I think yeah. it's maybe a drive inside of us, uh, yeah. a, a want or a need for something more, you know, for something mm -hmm. else, something different, you know? I agree with that. Yeah. And, and if I could figure out, if I could figure out the formula for where that came from, uh, then I would change the world, but that's not, there's no single formula <laughs> with that. So um, to to formula for, for what came from for to, your motivation to, or to, yeah to create a drive inside you to to change and be better well right. i listened to a really really good book and that, that's the theory inside it says that it comes from your dark side and everyone has a dark side it doesn't mean that you 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 have bad intentions you know but but maybe maybe your dark side and you have it and it's uh it's just for you and you don't want to say it to no one but let's say like let's let's take an example tiger woods he had a dark side mm -hmm. his dark yeah. side was sleeping with other women you mm -hmm. know and what well, and maybe that's the thing that drives you you know maybe your dark side is it's, it doesn't have to be bad you know maybe yeah. your dark side is i want to be rich you know and you but you don't want to say it to no one you know you don't want to go out and just yell hey i want to be rich but you go to that place in your head when you're you're down and you don't want to work or you just go to that dark side that place you think about it you're lost there for five minutes but you come back motivated you know because you think about what you want you know what i mean mm -hmm. was it what was this book winning uh relentless Relentless. from Tim, 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 Gro Grover. Tim Grover's other yes. book. <laughs> yes. Yes. It sounded yes. like Tim Grover. He just released a new one yeah. called winning. Um, yeah. But I haven't got to that one his... yet, but yeah. 
Relentless is a great book. Um, I haven't read Relentless yet. It's on my list to read. It, is the, does he make the case in there that you need to embrace your dark side in order to yes. change the world? Yeah. Yes. 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 What about, does, to... he, does he say openly and like outwardly, like tell people about it? No, or does, no, no, okay. no, no. Because uh, to go back to the um, uh, Tiger Woods case, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. as soon as his dark side came out of on the open, he failed. He went completely. Miserably. Yeah, he shut down. So. Still hasn't recovered. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He's won, yeah. A, won a couple things, I guess, but fascinating. Yeah. Um, well, w- when there is a light, when the, the dark side comes out on the light to the light, it goes bad, they say. <laughs> Interesting. But, I, but the main thing that. is, main thing that, that he says is that you need to be aware of your dark side. You need to know how to, to channel it, mm-hmm. but you need to know how to control it, you know, not to get uh to become an idiot basically <laughs> yeah yeah not 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 and not even necessarily to um maybe act act on your dark side the way it wants you to like tiger yeah. woods's uh specific scenario can you channel yeah. that energy into winning right or if you want to be filthy rich or a billionaire or something um, can you channel that into providing so much value in the marketplace that that's the natural course of things is you, people throw money at you. Right. So how do you take that dark side and turn it into, uh, good things? I don't know. Yeah. Good book recommendation. Tim Grover is Tim Grover was basically the coach tr- slash trainer of, um, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan. um, I don't know a lot of others. Dwayne sure. Wade. Dwayne Wade. Yeah. A couple yeah, good players. And, and bunch, bunch of others. <laughs> yeah, bunch of others. Yeah. But you know, what's interesting going back to what we talked about in Tim Grover's book, winning, he said there was <clears throat> he, Michael Jordan and from our perspective, best NBA player to ever play the game. Maybe LeBron James, Kobe Bryant changed that. But at that time, for sure, hands down, no question, Michael Jordan, best ever. Um, Tim Grover specifically said, Oh, actually it was in the podcast interview with Ed Milet, I believe there was there were people that were naturally more gifted than Michael Jordan, hands down, yeah. like not even close, and Kobe Bryant, way better. But mm-hmm. they didn't put themselves out there or put in the work necessary to be as good. Yeah, yeah. So um, I mean, he knew I mean that that, he... that that book books of uh, Tim Grover are great. So I recommend yeah. everybody to go and listen to them for sure. Or All right, read last question. Is yeah, I agree. And listen to him on interviews too. But uh, last question, um, where do you see the future of PDR going? And I would ask you worldwide or maybe even in Europe. Um, are we just start? Do we just get started or are things going to change? Are things going to get worse? Are they going to make cars out of uh, plastic again? What, what's your thought on the future of PDR in our industry? I, I think more aluminum cars. Yeah. In Europe, we still don't have a lot of them though. Mm. You have the Ford F-150s and stuff like that, mm-hmm. that are whole cars mm-hmm. aluminum here, still not a lot of them. Mainly mainly hoods, if we get uh, some fenders and occasionally some aluminum doors. Yeah. Um, I don't think they're going to go to plastic. It's just, no. I, I don't think so, no. But uh, Are we going to grow also, as an industry or shrink? I think we're going to grow and change. I think... I think uh, they're going to be more dent guys. 
uh, I think we're gonna need to find a way to um, step above the crowd of dent guys, you know, to stand out, to to get the business. Mm-hmm. Retail, I I'm talking about. Yeah. Do you think retail will grow in your area in the areas that it's currently five percent of your business over time? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, retail because- PDR. Yeah, I mean, it's in everyone's interest to grow. You know, mm-hmm. it's in our interest, of course. We have more work. It's in customers' interest if they know about it, all the benefits. Mm-hmm. It's it's better for them. And plus, it's also in the insurance agents, insurance companies' interest. True. Yeah. Cheaper, maybe maybe a bit cheaper repair, faster turnaround, mm-hmm. happier customers. Yep. Hundred percent. So it's a win-win-win. So I think, yeah, it's going to grow. It's just like you say, like you say, how to educate all the customers. That's the, it takes, the, the I, big problem. Yeah, it takes everybody. I mean, I, I, I do my part. You do your part. Other people are doing their part. And it takes the industry as a bunch of individual businesses to to try to change the way it's it, the industry is seen. And I think more professionalism, more making yourself look like a legitimate business and not just a guy with some some tools that fixes stuff for cash on the side. Um, but yeah. you have to start making that distinction. And I think we're moving that direction, but uh, it takes more people jumping on board um, with creating legitimate businesses um, yeah. for it to change. I think, I, I think as the, as the number of PDR techs out there grows as well, the awareness of what PDR can do in the clients mm-hmm. must grow for all of us to have work all the time, you know? I mean, yeah, agreed. If, if uh, a million if a million of people knows what is PDR and there is ten thousand techs to work that that million cars, it's not a good number. If mm-hmm. that ten thousand go to twenty thousand, it's even worse. But if that million people go to ten million people that want to use PDR, then we are all good, right? <laughs> I totally agree with you, and it's like the chicken and the egg. I think it's the I think it's the competition that brings the customers in, not the other way around. Um, for the last 30 years, my, my dad started in 91, he would walk into a dealership and they'd be like, bullshit, you can't do that. Like you have to paint yeah. it. And he's like, no, let me show you. And it was, it was bad PDR. Like it was bad PDR mm. back then. Um, but it was way better than sending to the shop. It wasn't perfect, but it was good. It was good. It's flattish, you know, um, yeah. especially in the early nineties, but um, he could walk into a dealer and, and get it. And now, um, and so not every dealer knew. And then more dent guys came, more dent guys came out. Every dealer, every body shop, knows that pdr exists mission yes. accomplished retail side no that's because we're short so many technicians if there was 20 if there was like 20 more retail quality technicians in sacramento it would hurt at first because it'd be so much competition but we would all be creative in our own different ways because that's what competition in the free market does and we would all find more customers to serve our business. Competition breeds innovation in the fact that you would find more ways to get customers. And so um, that's what we need. We probably need more techs, more competition, more uh, of that difficult feeling. So, so we go find more customers. That's how I feel about it. Um, even though yeah. it sucks, it, but it's inevitable. <laughs> there's yeah, more, I mean, there's a course. guy that moves to Sacramento every, four, every three or four months that does retail PDR. So... Nobody, nobody wants to say it out loud. Like, hey, I want two more competitors here. <laughs> we everybody nope. want to. Hey, everybody, go out. I'm gonna be the, the only dead guy here. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, but, that's but what everybody there, wants. That but... would be 
yeah that's not the reality though it's not I mean, possible yeah, it, yeah, it, it, you yeah. can't you can't serve every customer. Period. Like it doesn't matter, you know. Mm. Um, even if you want, but take yourself out of your business perspective and look. If you were like the dictator of the PDR industry, um, and you got to choose what you would do, you'd be like, oh, we need way more technicians here. Two million people in just Sacramento alone. If you fixed, you know, if if you fixed a hundred thousand cars a year, which is not even close to possible, it's more like. 4,000, right? You need 20 mm-hmm. retail PDR techs and there's probably 10, yeah. you know? So if you fix 5,000 cars a piece physically with your own hands, you need like hundreds of technicians. So yeah, yeah. we have like 10. There, so there's a lot of, a lot of stuff that's getting painted yeah. right now that could be PDR. Yeah. hundred percent. Well, dude, I appreciate you coming on spending the time. It's nighttime over there, right? It's like a uh, nine o'clock or something. No, no, no not that bad. I think let me see. Oh, yeah. Seven o'clock. I forget. Yeah, seven, seven. Seven o'clock. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, oh, thanks good. for spending time with me. Um, and I appreciate it. Hopefully, we can actually chat and meet in person in Florida if we get our act together and open up the world a little bit. <laughs> sure, sure. Let's let's grab a beer. I'm down. Good yeah. to talk to you. I'm oh, yeah, you too, man. Thank you for having me. And uh, if anybody wanna reach out, find me on uh, Facebook, YouTube, wherever. I'm ready to chat with anyone that wants to reach out. Always willing to help. I, I totally agree with you on that. And if you are listening in Europe, because I have several several people um, listening in Europe, uh, and if you want to get training, Jean's a guy, right? Thank you. When does that start? Yep. Uh, right now, we're still very busy with the, with the hill we had. Yeah. But when, when we do it, uh, it's going to be another dent guy with me another technician we're going to do it together and uh we want to do it the right way we don't want to rush anything and just to do it to grab the money you know but we want to do it the right way so i think probably february march somewhere like that awesome dude can't wait to hear more about it yeah talk soon all right thank you take care Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the PDR Coach Podcast. If you got any value from this podcast and want to do something for me, then the best way to do that is to subscribe to the podcast and give me a rating and review. If you want to know more about me, then you can find me on Instagram by searching for the PDR Coach or find me on my website at coachcoreyk.com, C-O-R-Y-K.com. Thank you for listening and I'll be back next week.